We're going to be talking about windows today. And if you were here last week, we were talking about doors. And the reason we're talking about doors and windows is because we're in a series called Under Construction. And I don't know, has anyone ever felt under construction? Yeah, me too. Join the club. Maybe you've been living in construction at home or in a renovation, but there, there are key things um, that God has when we're under construction. One of them is doors. So we were talking last week about opportunity, how it kind of sometimes sneaks in. And you got to be able to embrace interruptions because often they are a, a doorway into opportunity. But today we're going to talk about windows and we're really going to be looking at perspective. Everyone say perspective. We're going to talk about perspective because it is amazing that you can be looking at the same thing, right? But have two different perspectives. Isn't that funny? Like me and my wife, we watch sport. Well, I watch sport and Jessen uh, just looks at it confused because when we see sport, we see two different things. I see the best thing ever invented and Jessen doesn't know what is going on. She doesn't like, she's very creative. She's grabbed, don't hold it against her. She's far better than me. But, but when we look at sport, we see two different things. And um, there's this, this food called kale. Anyone heard of it? Come on, talk to me this morning. Have you heard of it? Okay. <laughs> so when we look at kale, you know, People see two different things. I have a friend and when she see, sees kale, she literally does a dance, you know. She's a total hippie. She just goes, whoa. And one time she brought out kale chips. Is that a joke? Yeah, kale chips. I ate them and as I ate them, I got hungrier as I ate them. I felt like I was eating air. I'm like, what is this? I like same thing, but two different perspectives. And we can be looking at life and uh, be, be looking at the same thing, the same situation, the same relationship, the same people, the same home, the same location, same house. We can look at the same thing, but have two different perspectives. Because perspective is powerful. It shapes what you see. How you see is shaping what you see. So perspective is really important. And a lot of us are living life looking through the window of fear. So we perceive life through a window called fear. And fear is pervasive, meaning that it will just pervade your life. When you look at fear through that window long enough, you'll start to see everything through the filter of fear. But I wanna talk today about looking through the window of faith because faith is also pervasive. If you spend time focusing on faith, focusing on the goodness of God, focusing on the love of God, suddenly faith becomes pervasive and it starts to be the window you perceive your life through. God wants you to see with eyes of faith. Fear, you know, fear is rooted often in an incomplete revelation of God's love. 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So love actually strengthens faith. God loves you. God loves you. Simple. God flippin' loves you. 
And I pray that that is the greatest truth we build our lives on because that truth, when you build on that truth, that God loves me, trust, hope, and faith start to rise in your life. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. Speak to us today. Give us eyes to see, eyes of faith in a fresh way. Lord, that we will begin to look at the same things, but in a different way. Lord, that we begin to look at our marriages, same thing, but in a different way. Our children, our work, our relationships, our friendships, looking at the same thing, but with a new perspective. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Can you thank Brad? Are you the best, Brad Sabat? We love you. We're going to turn to the book of Mark. Any Marks in here? Any Marks? Okay, yes, Mark. Hey, great to have you here today, sir. Welcome. And we're going to turn to uh, the book of Mark. It's one of the Gospels. We're going to turn to chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 12. And it's going to be really, really good. Are you ready? No. Somebody said, no, we're not. We'll wait for you. We'll all wait. No, I'm joking. Turn to chapter two. Here we go. It says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, anyone been there? Me. Oh, you have. Wow, incredible. The people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man, the mat man, was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Which is interesting because this guy is sitting on a mat crippled and Jesus says, your son, your sins are forgiven. If I was Mark or one of the disciples, I'd be like, hey, Jesus, that's awesome that you're forgiving your sins, but let's help him. But Jesus first says, son, kind of ignoring the situation. He says, son, your sins, they're forgiven. Now some teachers of the law, we're sitting there, the religious people, thinking to themselves, as often religious people do, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? not realizing that it was God alone standing in front of them. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit, that's scary, that, he, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. He said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. So he got up, took his mat, took his mat. Hang on a second. Took his mat. Didn't leave it. Took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Isn't it amazing that in a room full of need, Jesus saw their faith. That's amazing. 
that in a room full of problems, in a room full of issues, people are crowded around this guy called Jesus. They all want a piece of Jesus. And in the room full of people like this, Jesus doesn't see just the need. He saw faith. Uh, I don't think that Jesus was unaware of the need. But I think that what he responds to is not so much our need, but our faith. Like, like picture this, okay? In the middle of the room, Jesus is standing like in the middle of the room, like a room like this, and, and he's standing in the middle. Hi, guys, good to see you well. Yeah, great. And uh, hey, Jesus is in the middle of the room like this, standing here, and then two jokers decide, four jokers, I apologize, decide they're gonna dig through the roof. There's not enough room to get in so they're not gonna wait. They climb the roof and they dig a hole through the roof. Everyone look up, look up, look up. Just look up at the roof for a second. This is fun, isn't it? Look up at the roof. Imagine four dudes digging a hole through our roof. I would send somebody up there. I'd, I'd send Pastor Patrick up there to have a word. I'd send somebody... Don't, are you digging through my roof? You can't come here and just dig through the roof. These guys were so persistent that they climbed the roof. I mean, what did they, did they have a pulley system? Did they have, like, like think about it. The Bible is not boring, people. The Bible is crazy. If you find the Bible boring, you're boring because the Bible is not boring. It's ridiculous. Four dudes in the middle of this huge scene just climb the roof and start digging. How did they dig? Did they happen to have utensils to dig? What were they digging with? Did they have machinery back then? I don't know. But they dug through the roof and they lower the guy down. How did they lower him? <laughs> like, did they just, YOLO, you know, good luck, just drop him down there. Gee, whoa. <laughs> and they all bombed in, you know. How, how did that work? I don't even know, but I know that Jesus saw their faith. Listen to me. Urgency does not move God. Come on, God, quick, 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 quick. I'm out of time. You've got to do this for me now. Do it now, God. Urgency does not move God. Uh, um, uh, I guess blackmail does not move God. Well, God, if you don't, I won't. God, you better do this for me because I was helping clean up the church. So you better, you better, even sincerity does not move God. I mean, it's good to be authentic, to be sincere, it's good. But that is not what God saw in the room. God sees faith and it's what God responds to. So I wanna be a person of faith. I wanna have a perspective of faith because it's not just what you do, it's how you do it. It's not just that we read the word, it's how we read the word. It's not just that you come to church, it's how you come to church. It's not just that you go to connect group, it's how you go to connect group. It's not just that you pray, it's how. And the way we do what we do is through faith, amen? We do it by faith. 
Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. Anyone been to the gym? You ever been to the gym? Wow, okay, we're going we're gonna to start a gym membership program up in here and we're all going to go to the gym. Uh, some of us just been hanging out with gym, but we need to actually go to the gym, G-Y-M. And if you've been to the gym, I mean, it's, it's good to just like lift stuff, but it's how you lift stuff that actually makes it effective. One time I was with a personal trainer and I did some push-ups and he was like, well, that was terrible. And I was like, what am I paying you for, you know? He says, this is how you need to do it. And he changed my form and that actually has produced greater results, as you can see. <laughs> no, it's terrible, I really should get my money back. Hebrews 11 verse one says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Mark 6 verse 5, it says, Jesus in his own hometown, he comes to his hometown and he comes to speak and preach. And in the hometown, it says he could not do any miracles. He could, he could do no miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Why? Doesn't say that Jesus would not. Catch that. It doesn't say that Jesus would not. It was his will. It says he could not. Because faith is the atmosphere that God moves in. Faith is the atmosphere that the power of God is experienced. Faith is the atmosphere that releases heaven into earth. You, you, we we, we want to cultivate faith in our lives. And so that means I got to put some boundaries around that says no to fear and yes to faith. Amen. I need to have a healthy no. A healthy no. There's a great scripture in Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it will flow the issues of your life. That word guard means garrison, which means to put up some soldiers. It doesn't mean to be guarded, meaning I don't let good in or uh, bad in. I, I'm just guarded. I, I've, I've been hurt too many times by life, now I'm guarded. That is not what it means. It means garrison, which means I have bouncers at the door of my heart. I have some dudes standing there, and it could be also known as the Holy Spirit, who lives in me, and he has a checklist. And he has a list. You know, you ever been to a party? Anyone? You've been to a party? Come, we'll pray for more parties as well. More gyms, more parties. We'll get you all invited. I'll host one. You can come. And so at a party, sometimes there's a bouncer. And the bouncer will be there, and they'll be big and aggressive, and you'll walk up, and you'll say, hi, you know, and they'll say, hey. And then you'll, you'll, you'll say, is my name on the list? And if it's not on the list, you can't get in. We need a list of things that we let into our heart and a list of things that we don't. When did we become so nice, such nice Christians that we just let anything in? And oh, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever, say whatever you want. Yeah, that's, I'll just watch whatever. I'm gonna listen to whatever. No. We need to have healthy boundaries that says, no, I'm gonna let good things in. Come on, come on. I'm gonna let God in and I'm gonna say no to anything else that contradicts who God says I am. 
if I came to your house with a bag of rubbish and I just threw rubbish all over your house, you know, just kicked the door down, walked in, threw rubbish, <laughs> rubbish everywhere, came up to the upstairs, threw rubbish. Would you come up to me and say, oh, thanks so much, that's so nice. Come on, oh, oh you missed a spot. <laughs> come to the TV room, put the rubbish in there too. No, you would find a weapon of some kind, you would get a broom if you had to, and you would beat me and you would get me out of there. You wouldn't tolerate it. So why are we so tolerating things when it comes to our heart that we should be more aggressive about saying no to, amen? We need to cultivate faith. Faith is a window God has designed you to see life through. Second amazing thing to me is that in this situation, faith saw solutions in the face of problems. Four guys looking at the same environment and they see that it's crowded, but they don't leave. <laughs> they look at it, it's inconvenient. It's difficult. But what do they do? They say, I'm gonna find a way in there even if we have to climb the roof. They, they, were, they were so convinced. You know, sometimes life can be inconvenient. Sometimes church can be inconvenient. Sometimes connect group can be inconvenient. Sometimes that person we're reaching out to, it can be inconvenient to help them. It can be at our own cost. And sometimes there can be problems everywhere. But when you cultivate an atmosphere of faith over your life, suddenly you don't see problems, you see solutions. God wants you to look at the same problems, but see solutions. And you know what? God won't do it for you. So annoying. Come on, God, fix it. Look at all these problems, God, what are you doing? Fix it all. Fix them, fix their attitude, fix my children, fix my boss, fix my car, fix my building, fix my home, fix it God, fix it, fix my leader, fix that thing, fix it. Could it be that we are waiting on God to do something that he said, tag, you're it? <laughs> Could it be that we're waiting for God to show up in a way that he actually said, I've empowered you to do it yourself? Could it be that we're waiting for a God who actually has given you everything you need to change things around you, to live a life of victory, to live a life of authority? I love this scripture in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. It's Jesus talking. He says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. No, it doesn't say whoever talks about this mountain. Have we been talking about mountains that we need to start speaking to? Have we been catching up with friends and debriefing and talking and talking about their, that situation and just talking around and around and around a mountain that God wants you to speak to? Maybe we have more authority than we realize. Maybe when you invite Jesus into your life, you have 
You have the head of all the church. You have all authority living in you, which means you don't need to just talk about your mountains. You have authority to start talking to them. So I'm going to start saying to my past, hey, it's over. God's got a new thing. I'm going to start saying to that marriage of mine, my marriage is blessed. My family are blessed. I'm going to speak to my bank account and tell it to fill up in Jesus' name. I'm going to speak to my children and say, God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. You are not who people say or said you are. You are called and chosen. I'm going to look at that mirror. I'm going to tell the guy or the girl, whoever you are, on the other side of that mirror, God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. God's going to use you. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Come on. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's clap. Woo! You, you are not beneath. You're above. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You're more than a conqueror. You're able. You can do this. You can get through it. Eyes of faith, where I start to speak to my world around me. God said, let there be light. He wasn't talking to anyone. It wasn't a conversation. He was using words to create. Because words are not solely for communication, they're actually for creation. So I need to put faith in my mouth and start speaking the Word of God over my life and I will watch my situation align to the truth. Facts will in due time align to the truth when I start speaking the Word of God over my life. Amen? Amen. My last thought this morning is that faith sees purpose that is bigger than self. Jesus said this, I, I tell you, get up, take your mat. This is a mat. Everybody, this is a mat. Can you see it? Okay, okay. So Jesus says to this man who's been crippled his whole life, he says, take your mat, which is interesting because if, if I had been sitting on a mat my whole life and I'd become identified by my mat, because he would be dropped off at the same place every day and people walk by, they'd see the mat man. They know mat man is sitting there and mat man is sitting on that same rug, that same mat, and everybody knows him by his mat. They didn't even know his name. There's no name. It's not John, George, Steve, Drew, whatever. It's, it's mat man. He is defined by the thing he's sitting on. Defined by the thing he's stuck on. And Jesus comes into his world and says, son, you know, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, you know, get up and get up and walk and take your mat. Jesus, let, let the guy leave the mat. You know, like Jesus, he, this guy has spent his whole life on that mat. His identity is wrapped up in that mat. Finally, he's free. And you want him to take the thing that was his place of being crippled, being stuck, being unable to walk. Jesus said, take it. Why would God 
tell this man to take his mat. Because you know, we all have mats. You do. I mean, we all have dysfunctions, you know? And, and if you are here this morning and you don't have a dysfunction, <laughs> that is a dysfunction. <laughs> to claim that you have no dysfunctions, woo, there it is, that's your dysfunction. We're all dysfunctional, join the party. We all have issues. We were all stuck once. Some of us are still stuck in areas. But Jesus said to this man, get up, take your mat. You know, because we come to church like this, right? Like we, we all have mats and we walk into church and we're like, oh, <laughs> oh, nothing to see here. Yeah, hi, honey, grab the kids, sneak up the back, sit down. Yeah, hi, hi, yeah, hi, pastor. Yeah, whoa, yep, yeah, nothing to see. How's your week? Great. <laughs> Everything's awesome. Oh, oh. <laughs> everything's fine. But it's okay. You've got a mat. I got a mat. We've all got mats. But Jesus said, take your mat. And it says at the end there that the, the mat man walked out in full view of them all, holding his mat. Walking but holding his mat. Free, but holding his mat. Why? Because the very thing that had you stuck is the very thing God wants to use as your story. Because there could be someone in your neighborhood who's sitting on the mat that you're now carrying. There could be someone near you that is still stuck in the place that you were once stuck and they don't need to see how good you are. Look at me, I got unstuck. They need to see how good God is. That if He could do it for you, He could do it for them. If God could set you free, maybe He could set them free. Faith sees purpose that's bigger than self. We don't come to church just for us. And we don't hide our story. Revelation says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the power of their testimony. Your story matters. What is your story? You need to know your story. You need to know what God has done. What is God doing? Don't hide it. Don't be ashamed of it. Stop putting it behind your back when you arrive to church. Get it out in full view. Celebrate that you're walking. But let's use that mat for a purpose bigger than us. That could be to help someone else. So we're praying that we would start to look through the window of faith. God sees faith. Faith sees solutions and faith sees purpose bigger than self.